The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. Got a good friend of mine, Alvin Davis, with us today. Alvin, former Seattle Mariners, with the Seattle Mariners organization in their minor league instructional team and doing incredible work and just a just a good man, a man of uh, faith and character. And we're always glad to have AD on the program today. Thank you, Tim. As always, it's great to catch up with you, brother, and uh, to be able to talk to Mariners Nation. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll kind of come full circle. We'll we'll talk a, f- a few different things if you don't mind, but let's let's certainly start with where things are at with the Mariners. They got a big big win yesterday. Um they needed that one. And they're on the precipice here of, of breaking a a 21-year playoff drought. The magic numbers at 3 with what 8 to go to get into the playoffs. I mean, what, what do you think AD? Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, you, you, you know, you, you captured it there. Um, uh, you know, going back to last night's win, um, it, it was good to, to play a clean game. That's kind of how we refer to it inside the organization. Just a, just a clean game. And, uh, you know, to, to have, uh, you know, some clutch hitting there with runners in scoring position and yeah, you know, we didn't score 13 runs, but you know, that's, we're not necessarily built to just to do that um, as a club. And uh, you know, our ability to score runs just like anyone else in our division or any, well, anyone else in the game. Um, you know, when you take certain key hitters out, run producers out of your lineup and, you know, uh, guys like Julio Rodriguez and, Eugenio Suarez and, and for a time Mitch Hanniger, you know, kind of the guys that are game changers with one swing of the bat, you know, it's going to be a struggle to, sc- to score runs. And so, um, yeah, you know, we see it a lot, a lot around the league and it happens all the time. And um, it's just the nature of the game. I, and it's not just unique to baseball, right, Tim? I mean, you know, you, you, you take uh, key performers out of any NBA team, for example, or, or off the ice in any hockey team or off the field in any football team. And, uh, you know, it, it becomes a struggle. And as much as, uh, you know, you, you try to bring, build your club and your culture to be able to weather those types of things, um, you know, your superstars are superstars for a reason, right, Tim? And, <laughs> and, and they, they don't grow on trees, right, bro? And so, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling on here. But all that to say, you know, just to to, to see, uh, you know, George Kirby, uh, you know, do what he does and, 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 and pitch his game and execute his pitches and limit the free bases, which he's amazing at. Um, you know, you know, the walks and, uh, you know, limiting the free bases in the field on defense and then coming up with some clutch timely hitting and putting some traffic on the bases, you know, with Martin Perez struggling a little bit with his command last night and, uh, you know, not bailing him out, you know, um, by chasing and, and, and keeping him in the strike zone and taking the freebies that he gives us, you know, that's kind of the, the Mariners recipe. And I, and I think that's something that will uh, translate well into the postseason. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, just being right here on the brink and being in the position that we haven't been in 
at least in the, you know, the 11 seasons that I've been back as an instructor, you know, we, we've come down to this last week with, with, with great hopes uh, at least three times, but we always needed help from elsewhere or, or we need, we needed somebody who was ahead of us or, you know, half a game or so. I think about Oakland twice, you know, being a half a game ahead of us twice and, 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 uh, you know, needing them to lose and, and us to win, um, even as recent as last year. And, you know, it, it's nice to be in the position where, you know, we win, we go. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we, we don't have to, to watch the scoreboard as intently as we would in, you know, at least in, in recent past. You mentioned Julio, and it's interesting, you know, with him being out and, and what's talked about is, and, and you know, his, he's just got this incredible energy, this infectious energy, and, and you lose that when he's out. And what's interesting, though, in baseball, you don't really think of in the layman's terms, right, just the, the layman watcher. You don't necessarily think of baseball as having energy guys, per se, right, and like mm-hmm. you losing an energy guy like you would in football or basketball, right? You lose an energy guy in basketball that's kind of maybe it's more noticeable to the uh, to the naked eye so to speak but mm-hmm. talk about in baseball where maybe it's not as noticeable but it's still pretty important yeah yeah for sure you know um you, you just have you guys and uh and fans also for that matter tim um that that you just kind of feed off of especially when you get to this point in the season um, you know, the energy is a little more uh, natural or a little more native, if you will, earlier in the season, especially at the beginning of the season. But, um, you know, with baseball being, you know, as long as it is and, you know, I mean, golly, you know, these guys, we did have the lockout, but, but still, you know, they were, they were gearing up for this season, um, intently, uh, from mid February on. And, uh, and so now, you know, you get to, you get to September, you know, you're seven months down the road. Um, and, and so it guys that have that good energy in the clubhouse and that positive vibe, you know, it just, they're very, very helpful to, to get you going and keep you moving in the right direction. And, you know, it, it really helps when they have the, the type of talent that, uh, that Julio has, you know, as you, as you mentioned basketball, you know, your, your most talented player on a basketball team is not always your most energetic guy, right? Um, and so, you know, it's nice to have, uh, that, that combination. It's just a special package when you do. And, uh, you know, I, I know Julio just observing, you know, when the camera pans on him on the bench or even, you know, uh, in Anaheim, I got to join the club for a couple of days down in Anaheim. And, you know, he always tries to bring that positive vibe along with the Eugenio. And it's not that the other guys don't, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to uh, say that it it's completely lacking uh, in the other players in the team and in the organizations because that would be that's not true, but um, it's just a special uh, amount of energy that that Julio brings and uh, 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 you know that that uh, really just helps uh, just kind of raise that that floor if you will of energy mm-hmm. on a nightly basis and so yeah. and you know I mean let's we've been around for a bit right Tim like it, it helps when you're 21 years old too right. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a little, little bit difference in just kind of uh, natural energy when you're 21 versus 41, right? So, uh, so we, we, we will all we will all enjoy it, right? And uh, but you know, having said that, I, at the same time, I think that you know Julio will play with the same energy at 41 and 
as he's playing with 21 because it's just the way he is. Yeah. You know, of course, they've been having some these recent struggles, which have caused, you know, some fans to just, you know, like what do we what's, you know, the, the Cubs had the curse of the Billy Goat. Um, what's the, you know, does the, do the Mariners have, uh, some curse, you know, and this Scott service, you know, yesterday before the game, he, he did the, what they call the show and go. He just said, you know what, let's not do any, you know, pregame stuff. Just let's just show up and play. And, and perhaps that, that helped. I mean, I I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. And, you know, do you feel like guys are, are, are pressing? Do you feel like, um, you know, the closer you get to the playoffs and maybe a lot of these guys, they haven't been through it. They haven't been through um, meaningful games, I guess. Well, I guess that, you know, they played meaningful games last year late. They almost made the playoffs, but I mean, what, what's kind of the dynamic do you think um, around uh, this whole concept of playing loose versus which is great, but at the same time, there's a lot of players who are really good who are pretty intense. Um, how does that play out? Yeah, you know, I mean, gosh, Tim, you hit on a ton of great themes that I think, you know, could factor in. Like, it, it's, it's, never, it's never just one thing, right, Tim? It's never just one thing because if it was, you could fix it real, real quickly. Um, it's usually a combination of things at any point in the season, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I think what has been tough on Mariners Nation is the timing of it. Um, but you know, I mean, if we look about if we look at just the last two seasons, um, there were a couple times, and I mean, t- like at least two times that we can think of in the last two seasons where the club really really struggled during the course of the season. But it was earlier in the season. <laughs> Right. And and so, you know, uh, you know, for all of us Mariners fans, if we think back uh, before the 14 game winning streak, we were really struggling. And and it Mm. was very similar. Um, You know, we were struggling defensively. We were struggling to put runs on the board. Um, You know, we're, you know, we're struggling on the bases. We were, you know, struggling a little bit on the mound and the rotation. You know, we had a couple turns through the rotations where, where, where guys were just not themselves, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we were, we were giving up, uh, key runs in bunches at crude critical points in the game. You, you remember that Tim? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we'd give up a critical two run or three run homer that would kind of take a tight game or maybe we had a one run lead or maybe we we're tied. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're fighting uphill, so to speak you know, a run or two, you know, two behind, you know, and, uh, and just kind of struggling to put it all together. And so, um, yeah, I think more than anything else, this is, this is something that, that all teams go through. I mean, even the Yankees, right. Um, mm-hmm. look, think back Tim. like at one point in the season, the Yankees were running away with the division and they looked like they were going to be the Dodgers or the Astros. Right, they were yeah. the ones that were gonna 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 threaten, you know, the American League, the the Mariners' record, you know, for wins in a season, and uh, and then they hit a swoon, and you know, all of a sudden Tampa Bay's leading the division. Like, how did that happen, right? So, mm-hmm. so I just say all that to say, you know, um, more than anything else, I think it gives us Mariners lovers the the, the anxiety that it does uh, because of the timing of when it's happening. 
And I right. guess all of our hope, you know, if we flip that coin over, all of our hope is, is that, you know, we get healthy. Um, you know, we, we get Julio back in the lineup and, you know, he has enough reps before we go into the playoffs to really get his edge and his timing back. And, and uh, you know, we go into the postseason on fire because, as you know, Tim, you know, you've been around sports, you've played sports. It's not always the best team that wins the championship. It's usually the team that's playing the best in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it, it, whether whether it's hot, you know, whether they're just on fire uh, and they're playing the best baseball they played in the whole season, or you know, they just some you know a few guys just have unbelievable postseasons and can carry their team to a championship. So it can happen, and and we've got the players that can do it, no doubt about it. Alvin, so much to talk about, but one of the things I wanted to talk about with this club and and how it. And I know that this is something that you're just um, played a, a huge role in and, and just so thrilled about when there's so many young men of, um, of faith, young men who are playing the game right, who are doing it um, for the right reasons. And, you know, I've had the privilege this year. I, I've just been so just it's been a true joy for me. And I know for you as well to see um you know, so many young men who take their faith seriously and, and really see it as an extension, you know, real, it's a part of who they are like baseball. Right. It's a, it's an act of worship, right? I mean, we have, we've got a number of guys on the team this year who really see playing a, as an act of worship, which is pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. Yes. Yeah, for sure, Tim. And I, I'm glad you and I have a chance to renew our, conversation about this you know it usually starts in spring training every year right you know you reach out and you know hopefully i've been in arizona for a while and have gotten to be around the guys and you know you'll ask you know hey how's the fellowship going there especially with the new players right uh, you, you know you almost always acquire new players every year in the off season so um like you said you know just to, to have some guys come in who are men of faith and um you know are just just uh, doing everything they can to continue to, um, you know, bring glory to the Lord uh, through their play and also help others, you know, uh, being lights in the clubhouse and, uh, and um, you know, encouraging one another to, to be in the Word, you know, to be in prayer and to keep, you know, the most important relationship, the relationship with the Lord, the most important relationship when you've got all these distractions, you know, going on around you, especially during the season. And so it, it's always a, a pleasure and an honor to be a part of it. I, I know I've shared with you in the past, and I've also shared with the listeners, it seems familiar, if I'm not mistaken, you know, um, I just feel like whenever I go to one of our clubhouses at any of the levels, I just need to be ready. You know, I just have to ask the Holy Spirit to help, help me to be ready for whatever opportunities he's going to bring my way. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's always enjoyable, you know, to go in and, and, uh, you know, either be asked a question or, or just have one of the other believers come up and ask me, you know, uh, one of our, one of our, uh, our, our kind of, uh, brotherly questions, you know, we can, we kind of have our own, uh, uh, you know, conversations and our own, our own language, you know, will be, you know, Hey, what do you got? <laughs> you know, and, and we kind of all know what that means. Like, you know, what have you been learning from the word? You know, what's happening in your life? What, 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 what can you share that can be encouraging or uh, insightful or even challenging? 
you know, because mm-hmm. um, we, we do challenge one another as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part of uh, being in the role that I am and asking, you know, having the opportunity uh, to move throughout the entire organization. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's guys, you know, from all over the world too, you know, our players from Latin America, you know, being able to uh, just enjoy fellowship with them and share resources with them, you know, um, equip them with, with things to help them in their walk as well is, is always, you know, is always a great part of uh, a part of, uh, you know, just being in the clubhouse. So, uh, yeah, even, even, you know, I mentioned, uh, I think off, off, uh, recording, you know, I was down with the guys in Anaheim, uh, a weekend before last and, you know, just having fellowship, you know, with the guys on the club there, right there in the clubhouse, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just talking about the Lord and just, uh, talking about things in the word and, and sharing, you know, you know, just, just being asked that question and, and, and having the opportunity to ask the question, you know, what, what you got, or, you know, do you got, what do you get? You got anything, you know, Hmm. you got anything for me? And uh, yeah, that's Hmm. always the highlight of the trip. Hmm. Now for, you know, for those who, I know we have, you know, a lot of listeners who probably didn't, um, you know, last time you were with us, you know, didn't get the chance to hear more of your story and and your testimony. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your, your story, your, your testimony, Alvin? No, no, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely try to make it the Reader's Digest version. At 62 years old, it's a story that's still being written. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I come from a, a family of believers. Um, and uh, one way that I describe it to folks is uh, my, my dear mother, who, who lives with us, um, you know, she's 102 years old. And, and oh, I goodness. remember uh, probably about seven or eight years ago, um, you know, I was just thinking about this legacy of faith in my family, if you will, you know, just the, just the, the, the devoted believers that, um, uh, the Lord, uh, just, just blessed me to be a son of. And, and I asked my mom, I said, mom, do, do you remember the story or do you remember hearing the story of the first person to come to faith in our family? And, uh, she thought about it and she said, she said, no, I, I, I don't. I mean, you know, the, the legacy of faith in our family goes back before stories, you know? Mm. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, I was raised with that legacy and, but, you know, uh, as, as often happens, um, when you're raised in a Christian family and you're devoted to, you know, the local church as our family is, um, you know, the faith has to become your own, right, Tim? Like, uh, I know there's a, a saying, you know, that, that, um, that God doesn't have, you know, grandchildren. Um, he only has children, you know, hmm. according to the word. And so, um, you know, I made a profession of faith in the Lord at a fairly early age. I was about 12 and I was baptized. And, uh, but I, you know, had this curiosity with the world, if you will. And, and, uh, that came to fruition in college and, you know, got to college and was full of pride in my baseball and, you know, having this, you know, full ride scholarship and just thought I was God's gift to the world and, you know, thought I was a grown man, so to speak, and was ready to make my own decisions and find out, you know, what's this world stuff all about, you know? And, uh, by God's grace, Tim, you know, he allowed me to experience that. And, uh, by God's grace and through the Holy spirit, you know, just brought me under conviction of living life that way. Just, you know, just prideful and making my own decisions and, 
and uh, you know, calling my own shots and and uh, not not being submitted to the Lord and to His Word, and uh, it made it loud and clear to me. And and so uh, yeah, after my junior year of college, I rededicated my my, my life to the Lord. Um, you know, um, some listeners may be going, well, maybe that was your maybe that was when you were regenerate. And I don't know, I would that I, I would argue with that, right, Tim? Mm. Uh, maybe that was when I was truly regenerate. But um, the one thing I can say is, again, by God's grace, you know, I've been on the straight and narrow path, you know, as the scripture talks about since that point in time and um, was able to bring that into professional baseball, uh, bring bring my faith in and, and uh, you know, a devotion and a surrender to the Lord into baseball. And, you know, um, for those who might be at that age of college and maybe early career and you know, maybe wondering, you know, man, how how's this going to work, you know, going out into the world and trying to be a believer, you know, or, or being a believer in a world that uh, can be tough on believers, right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I can just say from, a, from, from uh, you know, you know, the salvation and, and sanctification, you know, transformation into the likeness of Christ is God's idea. And I say all of that to say God's going to meet you because he met me. And uh, he made it very, very clear uh, from the first moment I really set foot into professional baseball that he had gone before me, and uh, and he was going to 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 make sure, you know, that uh, um, that you know that that I had what I needed to continue to grow in Christ. And it's interesting, you know, and with you being the chaplain of the of the Mariners, um, what I mean when I say that he met me. Um, I, I signed my contract. I was, we were living in Arizona at the time. I signed with the Mariners. I was assigned to Lynn, Massachusetts as my first affiliate in professional baseball. And how, what I, why I say the Lord met me, I, I flew from Phoenix to Boston, got picked up by one of the clubhouse attendants in Boston. He drove me to the stadium. It was a Sunday morning when I reported. I walked through the gates of the stadium in Lynn, Massachusetts, and the first person that I met who was affiliated with the team beside the the clubhouse attendant who introduced me to this gentleman was the team chaplain. Hmm. I I wasn't even into the field. I had just come into the (laughs) gate and the chaplain was walking out. It was a Sunday morning, right? He was walking out to go to church after leading chapel for both teams that morning. And it was, it was as if, you know, and I, I don't hear audible voices, okay, but it was as if the Lord was saying to me, Alvin, I got you. Mm. And this is just as, as an example. You know, you came into this thinking, you know, uh, you know kind of Joshua-like, right, Tim? Well, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, right? Regardless of what happens, you know, I'm going to serve you, Lord. And, uh, you know, I, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to resist but I'm not leaving you. I, I, I've been on that road and I'm not going back there again. And, and through the chaplain, it was as if, you know, the Lord was saying, you know what? I got you. I, I'm, I've gone ahead of you. I mm. prepared the path for you. And all you got to do is walk in it. Mm. You know? and, and, you know, just to continue that, Tim, you know, I, I get re- reunited with brothers in Christ like Harold Reynolds. Mm. Harold Reynolds was on that club. And yeah. so we're able to reunite our fellowship, which had begun playing summer ball in Alaska uh, in 1980, you know, and then I, and I, I end up rooming with, uh, you know, one of my brothers, Spike Owen, the uh, mm-hmm. Mariners fans will remember Spike, you know, <laughs> um, Spike and I were both assigned to that club coming out of college. 
And, you know, so I've got a roommate who's a believer and, you know, we're, we're having fellowship and we have, you know, other, other believers on the team. Our, our, our team player leader was a, was a, a, a player named Jerry Don Glee. Um, like now, now the deep Mariner fans would remember Jerry. Don. <laughs> he, was, you know, he was a, he was the number one draft pick for us, a left-handed pitcher. And, uh, um, you know, JD was, you know, uh, you know, and he'd been in pro ball for a few years and, and he, he was our leader. And Tim, you know what that's like and how important it is to have a mature guy, an older mm-hmm. guy, just kind of set the tone and mm-hmm. pave the way, you know, in a yeah. clubhouse. It, just how, yeah. how, what a difference that makes. And, you know, so, you know, man, we're having fellowship in the clubhouse. We're having fellowship on, in, in the field. We're having fellowship on road trips. We're getting together and studying the word. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just fuel. Uh, for growth and fuel for my soul. So I, I, mm. I said I'd do the Reader's Digest version, uh, that, <laughs> but but uh, I don't know if I could do anything Reader's Digest. But you oh, know, I just man. hope for your listeners that, that that's encouraging. And, you know, that's an example of, uh, you know, of really a faith in sports because that's not an unusual story uh, of believers in sports. Yeah, so encouraging, so encouraging. You know, I had a chance, A.D., uh, about a month or so ago to um, sit next to Barb Snyder at an event. Do you remember Barb? Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Hi, Barb, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so we had a great time just talking. And her and I, we didn't really know each other that well. My, My dad, actually, and Chuck were... We're good friends and, and, um, but we just had a, had a great time just connecting. What a, what a, what a sweet, uh, you know, faithful woman she was, but, but, you know, going back to your days with the Mariners, Chuck, Chuck was ministering during that time. Isn't, isn't that right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, uh, man, as you, as you were introducing, uh, Chuck and Barb, uh, to live listeners, I'm in my head, Tim. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to come up with the words to describe uh, how the how used of the Lord to make a huge impact in our lives. Chuck and Barb were, um, as you mentioned, they were our chaplains. Um, they were also chaplains with the University of Washington Huskies. Uh, Chuck and Barb and and Don James, Don and Carol. If I'm not mistaken, Carol James were were very very close and. Uh, you know, they were our parents in the Lord, I, I guess is the best way to describe it. And, um, you know, they had they had a ministry outside of sports. Uh, Chuck and Barb were, were frequent um, speakers at conferences like Pro Athletes Outreach and different marriage conferences as well. You know, they wrote books and, uh, you know, um, were just amazing people and, and, and have made an amazing impact in the Pacific Northwest for the Lord. Um, through their ministry and, and through their writing. And, and uh, I know Barb continues to do so today. You know, Chuck has gone, on, gone home to his reward uh, some years ago. Um, he, he left us and uh, went to Jesus's presence, a, well, a well-deserved reward. But uh, Tim, I, you know, I guess I could sum it up in saying, uh, my wife Kim and I now, as I mentioned, I'm in, our, I'm in my early 60s now, and, and uh, at our local church here down in Riverside, Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Church. And and one of, you know, we, we have ministry to, to young people and young couples, and it's very rare. Matter of fact, it's, I'll say it positively. It's very often that when I'm 
ministering to a young couple, something that Chuck and Barb taught us or exemplified, like it were an example for us of, you know, a, a relationship, a marriage uh, that brings glory and honor to Christ comes to mind. Um, and I just, I, I just, you know, Kim and I are trying to, to walk in their footsteps, you know, in, in our impact uh, here, uh, down here in Riverside, California, and at, at our local church. And man, so many lessons that we learned from Chuck and Barb and, and through Norman Bobby Evans, uh, who, who Mariners uh, uh, and live, uh, live listeners may remember uh, as a executive director and president of Pro- Professional Athletes Outreach. And what a huge impact um, that ministry had. And Chuck and Barb, again, were frequent speakers, you know, at, at those, and teachers at those conferences and, and uh, you know, would, would uh, administer the Taylor Johnson test to young couples. And, What's and that? And help them. It, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a personality assessment um, that would, uh, you know, kind of hi- highlight your similarities and differences and just kind of, uh, I guess, maybe, maybe just formalize it. But, but they used it as a tool to help people understand biblically some of the challenges that they were facing or, or would face potentially as, mm-hmm. as husbands and wives. And to just help help bring some some light, you know, to uh, you know some, some areas that are potentially areas of struggle, you know, that that you know two people in a marriage don't think alike, um, two people in a marriage may don't usually don't respond to circumstances in the same way, and um, you know it's just more of a wisdom a tool for of wisdom that allows you to just kind of have some aha moments. And, and realize, you know, that, you know, you're, you're married to someone different than you, right? That the Greek word hetero, right? Uh, you're, you're married to someone different to you and it's, and it, and it extends beyond gender and, uh, it can just help you understand, uh, and, uh, um, be able to relate to one another biblically, uh, in a better fashion. So, you know, I could go on and on about that, but man, I, you know, you know, if, if there were a line of couples that were helped by Chuck and Barb uh, in their in their marriages and in their life, it, it would be an extremely long line uh, mm. of people uh, that Chuck and Barb have impacted over the years, um, who are who are in in much better places in their marriages, in their ministries, in their communities, in their workplaces, in their roles of leadership uh, than than they would have been had, had they not had the opportunity um, to spend time and be be impacted by Chuck and Barb. So, uh, yeah, as I said, you know, I could go on and on and on, but, um, you know, it's, here's, here's, here's one thing, uh, uh, you know, Chuck and Barb wrote a, wrote a, wrote a book, uh, called, and it's still available. I still have a copy. It's, it's titled incompatibility, incompatibility grounds hmm. for a great marriage. <laughs> incompatibility good. grounds for a great marriage. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Chuck and Barb were writing that today, the title might be irreconcilable differences Mm. grounds for a great marriage. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. And just, just, just helping to understand, you know, you are different and, and the gospel speaks to that Mm. because, you know, the church, the church from the very beginning, Tim, was full of people who were hetero. Mm. 
Mm. both in gender, in ethnicity, in language. From day one, from Pentecost, the church has been different. Mm. And, uh, and, And that's grounds in which the gospel thrives. Well said. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. It's powerful for folks who are listening, AD, who, um, you know, may, maybe they're in a, uh, a, a, a period of dryness, uh, may, maybe darkness, maybe they're, they're really, they're a person of faith, but they're really trying to, um, you know, hear from God. And, 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 and we go through those times, right. Where we, where we feel a little drier and, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, we are, our hearts become a little more uh, calloused and what, what are things for you that, you know, in, in your, in your walk that have been uh, just, you know, encouraging and helpful, particularly if you're going through a time of, of uh, dryness. Yeah, Tim, you know, man, two things come immediately to mind. We, we touched on it, you know, in a previous segment, the one is fellowship and, and, you know, that's, that's thoroughly biblical in that, you know, God has placed us as believers into a body. And Paul talks about that a lot, right? When he talks about one anothering and, you know, how much we need each other. And, you know, you know, you know, uses the metaphor of the human body, you know, that the, the feet can't, you know, say to the hand, I have no need of you, right? Um, where would the body be without the feet, right? Or where would the body be without the hands? And so, so fellowship comes to mind and, uh, you know, just that, that Greek word koinonia is, is, is a, is an understanding, a celebration and a leaning into the things that we have in common with other believers. Um, you know, starting with our savior and just revolving around him. And, and of course, you know, the, the Word of God is the other thing that comes to mind. And, you know, sometimes I think when, you know, we go through seasons of, you know, a little bit of spiritual dryness, Tim, sometimes we can, we can, we can think that that's a turnoff to the Lord, um, which, which actually makes the problem worse, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we just, you know, it's like, man, I'm going through this dry period, you know. I'm trying to get into the word, but it just seems like it's, you know, black letters on white pages. And it's not really like, you know, leaping off the page to me. And I know that this is not what the Lord wants for me. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go before the Lord like this. Mm. I want to go before the Lord on fire. You know, I want to go for the Lord, you know, um, with this desire and, you know, lit up for him. Like that's what he wants. Like that's the type of praise and worship that he wants and that he deserves, right? He gave his life for me. So, man, not, not now. And, and you know, in fact, the opposite is true, right? <laughs> right, Tim? Like, yeah. like, like that's, that's when Jesus says, come, come to me. Um, you know, don't, don't walk away. Don't, don't turn your back. Don't think that I don't want you in my presence. It's actually the opposite. I want to help you. I want to be there for you. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to make my word come alive to you. And, you know, sometimes that happens with church as well, right? You know, with the gathering of the local church, right, Tim? Man, I'm just not feeling it right now. I don't want to go to church because I don't want to drag everybody else down. 
you know, um, wow. and it, 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 it's the opposite. That's the time. That's the exact time that you need to go to church because it's a two way street. You know, fellowship and corporate worship is a two way street. You know, being in corporate worship may be the thing that God uses to light you, you know, to light that flame of faith in your heart as you sing you know, songs with other believers, as you sit underneath the teaching of God's word with other believers, as you interact with other believers. And so, yeah, that's three things. And I said, I would only say two, but yeah, those are, <laughs> those are, the, things, those, oh, those are the things that, that come to mind, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, just that, that simple three word prayer that's in the scriptures, Jesus help me. Hmm. He loves that prayer to him. Mm. He loves that prayer. And he stands ready to answer that prayer. And so I would just encourage those that might be going through a dry season to just pray that prayer and just watch what the Lord does. That's good. A.D., have there been a couple books that outside the Scriptures that have really just impacted you in, in a, just a deep, profound way? Yes. Um, over the years, there have been a number, Tim. Uh, recently, um, there's a book that I've committed to read or be in, beside, in addition to the Word, every day, and it's called The Gospel Primer for Christians. And, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm strongly, but I, I think, uh, blessed to be biased in that I've had the opportunity to be underneath the teaching of the pastor who wrote it, whose name is Milton Vincent, for the last almost 30 years. Wow. And so I've, I've not only, you know, been able to see the, the words on the page, I've also been able to see the words in the life, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's it's a, a rediscovery of the purity and the practical nature of the gospel message has, has had a profoundly shaping influence upon Pastor Milton Vincent, and we in his congregation have been the beneficiaries of that. And so, you know, you know how can I make the case for this? You know, it, it's a thoroughly biblical book um, for every assertion that's made in the book. There's, there's a number of scripture references to back up every point that, that's made. Um, it's not the Word of God, but it is strongly based in the Word of God. And so, for example, you know, Pastor Milton says one of the reasons it's important for us as believers to preach the gospel to ourselves every day and throughout the day is, for example, in Romans 1, Paul says, and it's a very famous verse for us believers, right? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, right? And, and so as Pastor Milton unpacks the Greek there, Tim, one of the things that he, he points out, and he, and he observes that passage in context, he says, first of all, realize that Paul is writing to believers. Hmm. And sometimes we think of the gospel as being for unbelievers, or it's something, or it's a message by which we are saved, and then we move on to the deeper things of Christ, right? Um, but Paul is writing to believers. And then mm. that, that uh, prepositional phrase there in the Greek, 
Um, it is the gospel to, to salvation. It's actually the Greek word into. And so as believers, as we want to go further into the Lord, into Jesus Christ, it's the gospel message. So the gospel primer for Christians by Milton Benson has been one of the most impactful books that I've read and a book that I make it my aim to read every day for the rest of my life. After wow. scripture, um, I, I highly recommend it. It's a very thin, very plain book. Um, it's divided up into three sections. It's got 31 reasons to preach the gospel every day. That's perfect for devotional reading. And then it has a section that has a gospel narrative in it, in in, in a prose, a, you know, a narrative. And then it also has it in, in poetry. Uh, same concepts, just in poetry, because Pastor Milton, is, uh, he writes in poetry form as well. So I would recommend that. Um, a recent book that I've really, really been enjoying um, that's, that's edging its way up there in, in that list of my favorite all-time books is a, a, a devotional book written by Paul David Tripp entitled New Morning Mercies. Mm. Um, thoroughly gospel-centered the, the main theme of every one of these devotions, and there are 365 of them, is grace. And, and the, the manifold grace of God being applied to, to different thoughts, different situations, different leanings that we might have as people, but always designed to show us what we have in Christ, the grace we have in Christ, and, and you know, as Paul talks about it, the manifest, the manifold or the multifaceted grace of God that we have in Christ Jesus. And so I would recommend those. And then, you know, there's, there's the classics like Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, you know, I feel like every believer should have a copy of that and should read that from time to time because mm-hmm. it's just, even though it was written, you know, over 200 years ago, it's still so applicable to what we experience as believers today. And the battles that we face and, and the difficulties that we have along the journey, uh, but Christ is magnified and, and the provision that we have in the scripture and in the spirit is, is all there in that great, that great book, uh, that great work by John Bunyan. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a prison writing as well, right? We, we love Paul's prison epistles. Uh, you, know, you know, those who may not know the history of John Pilgrim's uh, Progress was written while, uh, while, while John Bunyan was incarcerated in England. So, uh, yeah, it has, it has a, the feel of the, the prison epistles. So, yeah, those, yeah. those would be the ones that come to mind, Tim. Incredible. Folks, we're getting uh, some incredible wisdom here today. A.D., we really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, just share so many uh, pearls with us. Thanks for, thanks for doing that. As always, thanks for having me, Tim. Hey, and before we let you go here, we do want to let's uh, get get a couple baseball questions back to you here. The Orioles just lost, by the way, um, okay. today. So magic numbers down to two. Uh, right, so that's right. that's that's big. And we're right now we're sitting in the uh, the sixth uh, spot, so the the third wild card. So. If the season ended today, we would we would head to Cleveland and play the Guardians in a uh, best of three. They all the games would be in Cleveland. Now, if we can somehow 
you know, leapfrog over Tampa Bay and Toronto and get that number one wild card spot, then we can host the the wild card playoff games. Now, as I'm looking at it, and I'm curious your thoughts here, the the sixth spot, I, I you know, in some ways I'd say, man, the sixth is a little better than the fifth spot because Cleveland, we we we're, we match up really nicely with Cleveland, and then if we beat Cleveland, then we play New York and we match up really nicely with the Yankees. Um, at least according to the season, are you thinking about those kind of matchups or, or are you just, just focused on, man, let's just get in. Yeah. Well, you know, Tim, I'd be less than honest if I didn't say, you know, if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't look at the matchups, um, you know, if I didn't look at that first wild card position, um, you know, I was just talking with a friend here recently uh, about Seattle and just, just the journey of, of Mariners baseball. And, uh, you know, I, I just I was just describing to him what a madhouse T-Mobile and, and Soto Seattle will be when the Mariners host a home playoff game series. Um, so, you know, what I, what I put my eyes on the, on the prize, you know, you know, obviously Houston's got the division. Uh, but you know, when I think about, uh, you know, being able to host three, a three game series in T-Mobile against whoever, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, I'm chuckling with delight. It's just that thought, um, especially after 21 seasons waiting. So, uh, yeah, now, Having said that, um, you know, obviously being an instructor and being inside the clubhouse this weekend, I'm, uh, you know, Lord willing, I'll be traveling up tomorrow uh, and being with the guys uh, at least for a bit, you know, it, it, it really does come down to the pitch by pitch, play by play execution. Um and and that that's the foundation of it all. It's just so easy this time of year to get ahead of yourself and you know to to focus on things that are are important and they're real. But you kind of have to ask the question, Tim: Do they help? Do they help me? Let's say I'm an individual player for the Mariners right now. Does that help me execute this pitch? And, uh, or is it a distraction? And each guy's got to answer that because some guys may feed off of that. And it really does help them execute that next pitch. But some guys, it's a distraction or it's a form of pressure that, that, that hacks into their effectiveness. And so, you know, hopefully our guys, as you mentioned earlier in, a, in another segment, this is, we haven't been here before, right? We haven't been in this position before. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, for some of our guys, it's new and, and they're key guys too, right. You know, our, you know, mm-hmm. George Kirby's and, you know, and, and Julio Rodriguez's, uh, this is, this is new. And so, um, yeah, they, a part of the experience or gaining experiences is determining, you know, what helps me be my absolute best this time of year and how can I eliminate anything that distracts me from that? Because when I talk to our young pitchers, I say, you know, your commitment, your undivided, undistracted commitment to what you are about to throw 
is the most important thing. And it and it and it has the most determinative uh, element, if you will, to what comes out of your hand. And for the hitters, you can say the same thing as 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 what you swing at, being being undistracted and absolutely clear on what it is is coming out of the, the opposing pitcher's hand. And what you swing at are those things are that mental clarity, that mental focus, if you will, um, is that that impacts the outcome of the game, the results of that particular pitch more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, again, I, I'm getting long-winded here, Tim, but yeah, are we watching the scoreboard? Of course, we're watching the scoreboard. <laughs> are we thinking about matchups? Of course, we're thinking about matchups. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that when that pitch is about to be thrown, are we focused on the absolute most important thing at the perfect time? Because Mm -hmm. that impacts the result. Yeah. Scott's got a tough decision in that wild card, right? You got, it's a, you know, three game wild card. Who who are your starting pitchers in a, in a three game wild card? That's That's going to be a tough decision. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, you know, and and I imagine, um, you know, matchups uh, will probably uh, be a big factor. Um, it, you know, we've observed as baseball fans, even though the Mariners haven't been on the field, we have observed as fans that the postseason is different, especially how clubs use their pitching. Um, but even how they construct their lineups is different. And, and you know, those matchups and, uh, you know, things like that, you know, with your starting rotation um, is very, very different than it is during the regular season. And that's by design because every pitch does matter so much, right, Tim? So, you know, um, in the postseason, you don't necessarily want a starter holding back, um, you know, trying, trying, to, trying, to, trying to get link uh, in the game as you might, let's say, in June. Um, or as you might, you know, when they take the ball and you know the bullpen has been used a lot in this series. And and a guy might sit there and say, you know what, I've got to go seven. And so, you know, yeah, obviously no professional athlete can go out and give, you know, a 50, 60% effort and be effective, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, right. I guess all I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, in the postseason we've observed, you know, starting pitchers, just, you know, letting it all hang out for one one to two times through the rotation or through the batting order. Uh, and then, you know, if they're doing fine, you know, they get the opportunity to go through a third time. But it's, it's not necessarily by default that six or seven innings or five or five to seven innings that you're looking for out of starting pitchers during the regular season. So you know, when I look at our rotation and I look at our bullpen, I see us as being very well set up to do that. You know, when you have guys, for example, in the bullpen, like Chris Flexen, who's been a starter, uh, you know, uh, Matthew Boyd, who's been a starter and, and, and are stretched out to do multiple innings. We're already kind of set up to allow whoever we determine is going to take the ball in a, in a start in those three game series to say, Hey, go let it hang out. 
let it let it hang let let it loose you right. know don't don't hold don't hold back right um, you know we we've got we've got coverage and yeah. uh so you have a different mentality than than you might have for a start in a day game in june and and hopefully that makes sense yeah alvin it has been just an absolute pleasure to have you on the program today we really appreciate you taking the time to be be with us on live from Seattle. It's always fun to talk, and uh, definitely when you're coming up here, let's make sure we uh, we connect. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for having me on, and brother, I I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with listeners about the things that are most important to me, especially the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity, brother. <laughs>